nerve-wracking sales conversations, you've been there, I've been there. And if you own a service-based business, you can't avoid them. But when the nerves get the best of us, we can miss opportunities for bigger plays in sales calls. Allison shares two concepts to help us spot these opportunities using her online framework and how to think of conversations like peeling an onion. Yes, peeling an onion. Welcome to the Small But Mighty Agency Podcast. If you're a creative consultant or agency owner who wants to know what the roller coaster ride really looks like to grow your business from one to many, you're in the right place. My guest and I pull back the curtains on the realities of growing and running agencies of different sizes and what it takes to build a team. And if you're anything like me, you want more than the highlight reel. You want to learn from the mistakes of others so that you can stop short of making the same mistakes. I'm your host, Audrey Joy Kwan. I spend my days as a coach and consultant to multiple six and seven figure agency owners. For the last seven years, I've been behind the scenes helping people grow, lead, and operate small but mighty agencies. Here at the Small But Mighty Agency podcast, we'll uncover what works and equally as important what didn't work to get these business owners to where they are today. Welcome, Allison. I'm excited to dive into a conversation with you about ingredients in a sales call that is going to help our audience sign our business and land larger contracts. I know that an activity that you do in your business is to shadow your clients in their sales calls, and that sparks my curiosity. I really want to dig into the insights you gain from consistently getting an inside peek at people's sales calls like every week. So before we dive into that, tell us about your business and what you do. Thanks so much for having me, Audrey. Yeah, I'm Allison Davis. I'm a sales coach and trainer, and I help diverse small business owners and modern sales teams finally create sales systems and strategies that not only work, but that also feel authentic and human. No more of this stale and prescribed old school sales training stuff. Love it. I think that lends well into my first question here. I wanted to really start off by reframing sales. We've come a really long way for the days of imagining the icky car sales person. So what is your definition of sales? Oh, it's such a good question. Uh, at the risk of sounding really cheesy, I deeply believe that at the end of the day, sales is service. You know, you have people who have big challenges or organizations with big challenges or deep desires. And we have these tools, these services, these products and goods that can help them. And I think when it's a match made in heaven between somebody who's selling something and someone who's buying something is when everybody wins. And I I, I think that that's the highest and the best service. I'm going to dive right in here and ask you, how many sales conversations do you listen to every month? (laughs) (laughs) Before I answer that question, I have to say... You know, I've been in sales for 20 years and about 17 of those years on sales teams, you know, started out selling $75 newspaper ads to mom and pop shops in Vermont, all the way up to selling, you know, six and seven figure deals for companies like National Geographic. And I avoided having sales managers join me on phone calls. I avoided it like the plague. I couldn't think of anything worse. And it wasn't until later in my career when I worked with someone who regularly either sat in or had us you know, record with client permission our sales conversations. And, and 
made a point of playing them back in front of the group and giving us that feedback. The, the first couple of times it happened, I wanted to crawl under my desk and die. Like mm-hmm. I would rather <laughs> do anything else. But I'm going to tell you that that was single-handedly the best, most actionable feedback I ever received as a salesperson. So now when I'm working with clients, I can feel their anxiety and their pain about having me either hop on a call with them or listen back. Uh, But I think that they would agree that it is such valuable feedback. And, you know, I don't sit around and listen to 20 calls a week, really. It's because, and I'll tell you why, Audrey, I can already tell you what people aren't doing well. And I'm sure we'll get into that. Mm. But with each client, private client I have, I try to be, you know, present to at least one big juicy call so that they can get that direct feedback and really understand what happened, maybe what went wrong, or even if they did win the business, how maybe that could have been a bigger deal. So to answer your question, I listen to enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree with you. I think the hardest thing is to listen to our own voice, but in particular, something like a sales call where it's not just our own voice, but how we are relating to someone on a call and then coming away with notes and how we can relate better. It does sound a little scary, doesn't it? And, it does, yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, it's it's a precursor to growth because if you don't know what you're doing, like you said, right or wrong, you can't grow from that. So what are some common mistakes you hear people make in sales calls? Yeah, I think there are two. And the first one I think we can dive into first is that for a variety of reasons, they're nervous uh, you know, or they have this agenda that they want to stick to, my clients will sometimes miss the bigger opportunities that are sitting there for them to take. And what I mean by that, it might be best if I gave you an example that happened recently. One of my clients has a diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, training agency. And she was getting on a call with a Fortune 1000 company. It was a big deal for her. And the only thing on the table thus far was a one-off half-day training, which for my client is really small potatoes. But when a Fortune 1000 company comes knocking, you get on the call and you see what you can do and you you open that door, you know? And she only had 30 minutes with this executive. And this executive, he had recently been promoted, right? There, there's a lot of juicy stuff going on. They get on the call and after they make their pleasantries and, and get their rapport down, my client starts asking some questions of this executive. And this executive answers them, but then he leaves the biggest Easter egg. He says, You know, I just got promoted, and my goal is to really change this company. <gasps> oh my gosh, right? Like, what an opportunity. Yes. And I was like, Oh, I can't wait to hear what my client's going to say. And rather than staying there and staying with that and getting curious, she referred to her notes. She said, Oh, that sounds great. I'm so glad to hear that. So how many people will be on this training? (laughs) Oh, no, she missed (laughs) the golden opportunity. Yes. And, and why, right? Like I, I love my clients. She, She knows how much I love her. She's given me permission to use this story. Why did she miss that big opportunity? Number one, she was nervous as all get out. This was arguably the biggest company she'd ever been on a call with. Right. And two, the guy had only given her 30 minutes and she had her own agenda. She wanted to come away from the call ready to put together a winning proposal. And in order to do that, she had a list of questions she needed to get answered within 30 minutes. 
And so she was paying more attention to the, her own agenda rather than showing up with two things that make a great sales call, showing up present and curious. Okay, I want to stop right there and talk about present and curious. When I hear that story, what it really tells me is that when we approach a sales conversation with a script, we're not actually doing ourselves a big favor because we're missing the opportunities to really get present, like you mentioned. I think there's a lot of information out there when you look at doing scripted sales call. What is your thoughts on scripted sales conversations? Where does it work and where does it not work? I am so glad you asked this question. So as a sales trainer, it is so important for me to leave my clients with a framework, you know, (laughs) a way to host a sales call or a pitch presentation that will lead to conversion. And at the same time, what you said is true. You know, a script doesn't work. A script is a kiss of death as far as I'm concerned. So my approach is to rather than giving a script to my clients, give what I call beats to hit. (laughs) <laughs> so beats to hit let's repeat beats that beats to hit. To, ah, okay yeah. let's dive into beats to hit what is a beats to hit yeah <laughs> well i love a good acronym just like any trainer right so i'll give you one the acronym i use for the beats to hit in a powerful sales conversation is called align a l i g n and i you know i won't belabor this for for everyone but it's ask questions listen for pain points inspire the potential customer, get feedback, now ask for the sale. And yes, we learn those in order, A-L-I-G-N. And you know, 75% of the time, maybe it's going to go exactly like that, but it is not a script because it, you know, if it's, it can be a straightforward pop song or you can play jazz with it, right? You can, you can go all around as long as you hit those five beats. If you're asking good questions, you're deeply listening for the pain points and you're really understanding what is going on here. You're inspiring the client with pitching and talking about your business. You're getting their feedback and now you are asking for that next step or a sale. As long as you hit all those beats, you're in pretty good shape. Okay. So the N is now you are asking. Is that what the N stands for? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, I had to make, we had to make the acronym work. Audrey, you know. I was at the end thinking, wait, I'm a little bit lost here, but I get it. Now it's now, now you ask. Now. Okay. So <laughs> beats to hit is hitting each letter of your acronym. So A-L-I-G-N. Yep. That's it. Amazing. Okay. In addition <laughs> to this, you and I have spoken before and one of the concepts that you have is this idea of peeling this onion in sales, right? Can you share more about that? Yeah. Exa- oh, this is a perfect time for this question because, you know, when you, you pop into any sales conversation, conversation, you start asking those questions, you are listening for both pain points, but also deep desires, right? My client, when she was on that sales conversation, the guy said, I'm going to change this company. That's a deep desire, right? And what she didn't do was peel the onion. And all peel the onion means is you stay with something. You don't just check it off and be like, oh, okay, I understand that. Great. Now, how many people are going to be in this training? Rather, Peeling the onion would have looked as simple as her saying, wow, that's great to hear. Tell me more about that. 
Mm-hmm. I think what's interesting is this conversation that your client had was limited to this 30 minutes. And I, I think I'm putting myself in her shoes and, and thinking about going through an important sales call that would be limited to 30 minutes and looking at kind of the things that I had to get through and being so focused on moving through those things that, yeah, missing hearing what the client really wanted and then jumping into something as simple as asking this one question. And I, I love I love this thought that peeling the onion is about one question. So Alison, can you repeat that question again? Yeah, it's very simple. Tell me more about that. And the goal of that question would be to? Is to to stick with that important piece of information because the more layers of the onion we peel, right? It's a, it's a little, I, I don't mean this to sound, you know, old school sales schmarmy, but you know, when you peel an onion, the more you peel it, the more tears you get, the more real, the more honest, right? Is really how I look at it. And if she had asked that question, tell me more about that, who knows what would have been revealed. We could have gotten some, what is structurally really wrong in that organization when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. It could have revealed larger systemic problems that her company as a strategy, a strategy agency could have done a multi-year deal to help them fix. But we didn't peel that onion back. And the other thing that's super important about what happens when you peel the onion is that Peeling the onion is where consequences of inaction and urgency live. Hmm. So if I can tell you a little story. Yes, please. I have a minor lower back injury. Not a big deal. (laughs) And this was before the pandemic. But I, you know, my orthopedist said, well, you got to go for physical therapy. I said, okay, fine. Because this lower back injury was causing me some hip pain. I said, okay, great, fine. So I show up at the physical therapist's office. Now, she could have easily said, I've seen your x-rays. Here are the three exercises I want you to do today. And you got to come back and you got to do them for the next six weeks. She could have left it at that. And would I have done it? Sure, probably. Would I have missed some appointments? Maybe, let's be honest. Instead, that's not what she did. She peeled the onion with me. She sat me down and she said, well, I've seen your x-ray and I understand that you have a lower back injury and you have some hip pain. I said, yep, that's right. And you know, put lacing up my sneakers, getting ready to go do my exercises. And she said, well, tell me more about that. Mm. And I thought, what do you mean? You're the doctor. You tell me more about that, right? And she said, well, well, what's happening as a consequence of this hip pain? And I thought for a second and I thought, well, I haven't been going out for my morning walks. Um, I'm not sleeping as well. And she said, oh, you're not sleeping as well. How many hours of sleep are you getting a night? And I said, well, honestly, my Fitbit's telling me five or six hours. And she said, how many hours do you need normally to to have a happy life? And I said, oh, I'm a seven to eight hour person. And she said, well, tell me more about that. What's happening if you're not getting enough sleep? And then I thought, well, I'm crabby with my partner. I'm showing up tired to client calls. I'm I'm lagging behind in my work. Do you see what she did? Yeah, I think I would frame that as she got curious. Like and she yeah. and she just wasn't afraid to go down that curiosity route. Yeah, but she stuck with one thing. I think that's a key difference for us to think about, Audrey. Is mm. like she wasn't like manically curious. Like, oh, okay, cool. I got that. I heard you. You want to change the company. Now, how many people are going to be in this <laughs> training? And then what date do you want to do it on? It wasn't like that. It was it was driving down on one point to the point where I understood that it wasn't, I wasn't doing these exercises because the physical therapist told me that I should. I was doing these exercises and showing up every single week and not missing an appointment because I want to show up better for my clients and my loved ones. Got it. So she was drilling down to the impact 
the biggest impact it will have on your life. And rather than selling the physiotherapy, she was selling the quality of life that would give you back all those things you mentioned were missing. A hundred percent. That's it. That's it. That's such a great story uh, that takes us into kind of the mindset of a person who is, I would say, a, a great seller. And I've asked this question before, and I'd love to hear your answer here. Can we talk about the difference between being good versus being great at sales calls? Yes, that is such a good question. I, I believe it comes down to mindset, because if we're saying that you got to go into a sales call present and curious and I would add of service to the potential client you're with, you know, you can learn the sales skills all day long, but are you in the right mindset, in the right frame of mind to pick up those tools and do your absolute best with them? And the things I think that get in the way is that, especially when we're business owners, right? We can either tie the outcome of that sales call to our own self-worth, mm-hmm. which is just too much pressure. Or, you know, if we have small businesses, we have agencies, we have people we need to pay. And we're we're really counting on the outcome of every sales call to make sure we live to fight another day. That too is a lot of pressure. And it's those mindset things. Are you coming from abundance or are you coming from scarcity? I think that makes the difference between a, a good and a great sales call. When you're coming from the mindset of abundance, like think about this, if you have a full pipeline, if you barely have enough hours in the day to service all the clients you have, the attitude you go into a sales conversation with is very different than if you have nothing going on in your pipeline and you're feeling a little nervous. Yeah. And that energy comes off too, doesn't it? I think how you walk into a conversation, whether we know it or not in our voice, and if it's a video call, even in our body language, it just comes through. A hundred percent. I love to tell the story about my friend, Elisa. She has the best saying ever that she imparts to her clients and has imparted to me on occasion when I get in my head and I'm thinking about my and the bottom line and the big opportunity that I have in front of me. And I'm all, you know, all kinds of not aligned. She says, you got to start thinking about the client. You got to center the client, not yourself. And to always think, what if this is the most important conversation they will have this week? Not me. What if it's the, the most important conversation they could have? How might I react differently if I believed my presence on this call to help them clarify where they are, where they want to go, what's standing in their way, and what they could do about it was the most important call they would take today? Wow. That comes back to really believing in the value that you bring. Yeah. Because if we if we went into a call knowing the value that we bring, knowing the difference that we make in our clients' lives and in their businesses, then we would approach those conversations with that confidence, and that would change it for that would change the the whole entire conversation. Absolutely. And to that end, you know, part of the Align framework for sales conversations includes a moment for storytelling. And many moments, you know, so I know your work with a lot of creative people, Audrey. So the, the more storytelling in sales conversations, the better, I think. But on that note of going in confident about our results, I say lean into storytelling. Tell a story about how you had a client with a similar pain point or a similar deep desire, the action you took and the results that you brought. It's so much more compelling for both them and you in that moment than maybe like going through a deck and showing your capabilities. Do some good storytelling. 
Before we get back to the episode, I want to invite you to the free Strategic Connections Roundtable, where creatives, consultants, and service-based business owners can meet new business connections without the awkwardness of traditional networking. It's a curated experience where the group fit is curated so that connections and conversations thrive. That means that every month, a Strategic Connections Roundtable will bring together a group of service-based business owners in similar stages of business who can benefit from knowing each other so that you can make connections easier, share what your business offers, discover new resources, and have an opportunity to mastermind a challenge. Save your free seat at audreyjoyquan.com forward slash strategic dash connections dash roundtable. Above all, I care about genuine connections and authentic relationships in business. If that's you, check out the roundtable and curated networking experience today. You can get all the details and onto the free invite list over at audreyjoyquan.com forward slash strategic dash connections dash roundtable or click on the link in the show notes right there in your podcast app. Back to the show. So lots of creatives think of sales conversations as presentations. Uh, They are in and out of the room fairly quickly, not thinking about sales as really what we just talked about, a conversation. What are your thoughts on that? Yes. Oh, I have so much compassion for them because as someone who sold media, I walked into a lot of boardrooms, you know, with multiple people who were just kind of sitting back with their arms crossed, like, go ahead, show us what you got. And that's not a conversation, is it? That's a one-way dog and pony show that we we do not want any part of. And and just because that's the expectation does not mean that it's how you have to run that meeting. So If you get a a crowd like that, I invite you to still hit all the beats of a line. Mm -hmm. And what that has looked like for some of my clients is just saying, of course, I'm going to show you my capabilities deck, you know, And, and that's a good thing. We want them to see case studies and all the good stuff we've done. But before that, they sit in the chair at the boardroom table and ask a few questions. Because what's going to be more effective, showing your capabilities deck cold with maybe what you could glean from emails or what you think you know to be true about the pain points and desires of the client, or sitting down and asking a few open-ended questions to understand what they're working on, what their challenges are, and what they need. That way, when you tell your stories and you give your capabilities deck, you can tie it directly back to the human beings that you're actually trying to sell something to. So the note there is just because they're expecting you to come in and give a cold presentation doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Own the room. The takeaway here is even if someone is asking for a presentation, it's important not to forget that it's a sales conversation. And the purpose of the conversation is to serve the client through authentic connection. Yes. And that keeps deals small. If we're just transacting and interacting at that level where there's not deeper conversation, we can't peel the onion. We can't find the consequences of an action. We can't find the bigger opportunities if we're not in a two-way conversation. Love that light bulb moment. So Allison, what keeps you inspired and at your best? My clients, 100%. Being in close touch with them to understand the improvements that they're making, the bigger deals they're signing, the opportunities that they're bringing in based on the work we've done together. I mean, nothing fires me up more. Nothing keeps me on mission like hearing from them. Yes. The reward is seeing, hearing, and knowing our client wins. Allison, where can the listeners find you? 
Yeah. Come over to my website, allison-davis.com. While you're there, you can download my free guide on how to have better sales conversations. So you know all those beats to hit in your next sales call as well. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Small But Mighty Agency podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. It would mean the world to me. Or send a screenshot on Instagram while tagging me at Audrey Joy Kwan.